The joke is, is that at some point I started just started these things by making funny noises because we don't usually have a very top of the show banter to do. So I'm, I do wacky sounds. My hope is someday one of our biggest fans takes a cutting of all of those and puts those together together. into a master like mix. Like Scott sounds. And then there'll be like three people in the entire universe who will listen to it from beginning to end. Right. (laughs) But man, there's three. Um, (laughs) Right. You got to track them down. Right. Hey, yeah. You know, that's where where the money comes from, I guess. Yeah. Uh, But, um, everybody doing okay is everybody have you any anybody seen any theater i've seen one play since i saw octoroon at the fountain that was i haven't seen anything yet but hopefully this week i saw a show indoors yeah (gasps) what where where was it (laughs) was it good or is it 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 was a one-person show and my friend directed it and uh yeah oh cool was it full capacity? No. Well, I don't, I mean, I sat right next to somebody. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. And you had to, I, we had to show proof of vaccination to get in yeah. and nice. we wore our masks the whole time. And I was so hot. Oh yeah. 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 Especially this time of year. It's well, gross in my bedroom right now. So. Well, the Broadwater and the Plunge are now open again and, and you have to show proof of vaccination and then keep your masks on in the bar which is hilarious because after a drink a single right. drink of thinking about a mask just goes out the window altogether yep, yep. oh man I'm, wor- I'm worried about the reopening of theater though with the delta variant and all of that like i mean we're all gonna... we're all panicked and you know and never mind all the other stuff going on in in california theater in terms of AB5 and the fundings and the paying and the monies and all that, that was enough. And now everybody's just like, what? And then I'm now I'm seeing all these sort of apologetic uh, Facebook posts uh, going, I won't be seeing any fringe shows this year because of Delta, which I totally, which I totally understand. Like I totally understand, especially if, you know, you're in any way immunocompromised then it's going to be tricky, but. You don't need to announce it. Just don't go. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. no. why are you going to make the declaration? I feel that way about friendship. I've never had anybody <laughs> to me, but I've known people who said, oh, this person called me to let me know that they don't want to be friends anymore. And I'm like, but, oh what? my God, you don't ever have to tell me. Just, <laughs> just, just like, go away. It's so easy to just not get Just together. fade away. Just fade it's away. It's so easy to fade away. Right. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, listen, everybody. Welcome to theater, theater, the theater. That's it. Thank you, thank you. Uh, the theater podcast for theater people, made by three theater nerds from the LA theater scene. I'm Scott Leggett, and I'm CJ Merriman. Now, normally, we'd also be joined by Jay Bailey Burcham, and we would discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolution of a specific playwright. But today, we have a special edition of Theater Theater Artist Spotlight, a bonus episode where we highlight the work of artists you should be keeping an eye out for. And today is a super bonus as we have two of the members of the Burglars of Ham. What the hell is a Burglar of Ham? Well, Burglars of Ham is a writing and performing partnership that has been creating original comedies since 1998. They've been described as the talking heads of LA theater. Talking Heads is, by the way, one of my favorite bands. Uh, <laughs> arch, geeky, highbrow, and hip, and, as well as maybe the closest thing L.A. has to Monty Python. And we are thrilled to have two of the burglars joining us via Zoom today. Please welcome Carolyn Almost and Albert Dan. How are you folks doing today? Good. You're good. I'm excited. <laughs> um, we should also say that uh, there are two other members, uh, the brilliant John Beauregard and Carol's husband, Matt Almost. Um, they're the lesser burglars. <laughs> they're the lesser burglars. We certainly got the best almost. Like, and, exactly. Uh, uh, and the burglars feature in acting ensembles of regulars and semi-regulars as well. Both Scott and I have had the pleasure of working with you guys, and it's so cool to have you here. Why don't we start with each of you telling us a little bit about yourselves and how the Burglars of Ham came to be. Carolyn, would you like to start? Wow. Okay, well, um, let's see. The Burglars were originally a very short-term project because we had a member who had been to the Edinburgh Fringe and really had fun and wanted to go back. Oh, so it yeah. was like, let's create a show so that we can go back to the Edinburgh Fringe, which is why we have our stupid name. <laughs> uh, because we were told when you go to the fringe uh you shouldn't be too obviously american because people don't like that and we were kind of like oh fuck you we're gonna have the most american <laughs> ever we're gonna base it on mcdonald's and then we thought maybe mcdonald's will sue us so maybe we should switch it around <sighs> <laughs> and, um, and, and so then we never did go to the fringe with that show which was a total blessing because it was a very complicated show that took like you know two hours to set up and an what hour show was it it was flea circus oh All so right. it was like a little variety show and um it was totally unlike any of our other shows have been hmm out of, out of Flea Circus, we got our aesthetic for our next shows, really. Cool. And then we slowly began to hate theater more and more. And then our show sort of became about, about that. <laughs> Anti-theater. Yes. <laughs> Albert, where, when, did you, when did you become a part of all this? Um, so I first worked with the burglars, I think, in... As an actor, I first worked with the Burger Burglars in 2001. I had, um, just by happenstance, I was at Theater of Note when they premiered Raysa, Raysa mm, Fantastic uh, yeah. Disc, which you were in, Scott. Yeah. Um, uh, later production of, but at, at that point, I was just crewing it because I was getting my crew hours at Note. And um, after that, they, uh, in 2001, I think it was, they lost an actor 
they were going to do the Seattle fringe. I think was that the first one I did? I think so. Yeah. They were going to do the, the, I was playing, um, Philip, the, uh, <laughs> The sort of Hamlet of the show, I guess. <laughs> the douchey yeah. Hamlet of the show. Hamlet. The pure and, uh, of the show. <laughs> and uh, so I hopped in uh, to that, and it was like crazy. It was like they lost him, they lost the other actor maybe a week and a half before they were going to Seattle. And uh, uh, I was a quick study back when I was yeah. young. Albert and- showed up off book, and I was like, I love this guy. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Because you know it's a panic. Sure. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, never mind. Never mind for you, but like for the crew, for the whole the whole production. Oh my god. Yeah. It's it's also as you know, Scott. It's uh, you know. So if for anybody who doesn't know the show, it's like the audience wears headphones, and there's this weird dance that's going on where the director is talking to the audience the whole time, and so it's such a sort of nightmare to jump into. Because there's so much sort of theatrical, there's so much not literal, but choreography going on between the performers on stage and the director who's talking into the audience's ear the whole time. So, but that ended up being a fucking blast. It was so much fun. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. And I worked with them like once or twice. I did like, I think I did a voice for the LA Weekly Awards and I did a couple other things. And then finally, uh, I think, 2003 I just like it's the only time in my life I've ever done this I loved both what they were doing and those people so much that I just wrote an email that was like not uh, totally not asked for nobody was looking I just said hey listen I feel like we're a match I I love working with you guys I feel like I could be of benefit to you guys I won't, I have no idea if you're looking for another partner or whatever, but I want to be a burglar. And, um, and then I was, uh, they, they asked me to be a part of, they were doing a show called party show then, or getting ready to do a show. Right. Um, and, uh, Matt who directs most of the stuff that the burglars do, Matt almost, Mm -hmm. um, he was in the show and they wanted another person there to be a sort of co-director to see the stuff when he had to be in it, just to have another eye outside. And they asked me to do that and be a writer on that. And that was weird. That was like, that was like a, 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 a and a, the whole thing was like an audition to become a burglar. It, right. you know, so, and Matt, and, uh, and Albert wrote the most evil shit for that. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. He actually wrote six, separate shows because we would write a scene and then we'd hand it to somebody and they'd write the next scene and we'd all just hand the scenes around so we actually had six full shows that we picked from wow. but it was kind of they it, we everyone was a very cruel version of themselves <laughs> and, and it was like also a time of tension within the company so it was some of it was pretty raw and albert wrote some really evil shit for a guy who just showed up <laughs> because there's the there's like i remember because i remember seeing it and that was my first introduction to burglars was oh let's go see this party show and i'm like okay and there's like there's needles being shot in people's eyes and it, it was crazy it's crazy well yeah so that so that was how i ended up after at the end of that they ended up um 
they ended up inviting me into the burglars officially. And, uh, and, it's, and, and I will say this, it's funny, even though that was 2003, uh, I, in some way, and not that they do any of this at all, but in the back of my mind, I still think of myself as like the new guy, even though I've been in the burglars for, <laughs> for 18, 18 years. years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> sure. Who was the, what was the original line, lineup? Who was the, the original core? And did you all meet at Cal Arts? Is that right? I did. Early on? There were, a, there were a lot of different original lineups. Um, gosh, at first we were working, um, we were kind of working with some people from a improv company called Those Meddling Kids. Okay. Um, so we were working with um, Alina Phelan and Lisa Morrison. Oh, and, sure, sure. And Selena. And then at, at some point, Selena's husband, Steve, was in it too. Um, actually, I think John, we added John when Steve dropped out. And Victor Ortado, right? Um, and me and Matt. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So yeah. When did you to to backtrack a little bit and then we'll build into it? When did you both catch the the bug, the bug for performing, the bug for theater, the bug for comedy? Well, my earliest sort of memory of that is that I directed a play in I don't know fourth or fifth grade or something called friends in the attic or something and it was <laughs> i'm sure it was just deadly it was about you know somebody who goes into the attic and all the books have come to life so like emily dickinson is up there and you know yeah, all right yeah. Hor yeah horrible crap right but um <laughs> but anyway my whole cast went out to play kickball and i was i remember going out on the kickball field and trying to get them all to come in to rehearsal because for me i was like are you crazy there's nothing more fun than being inside rehearsing a play Aww. like what's wrong with you i don't even know if we ever did it because uh, you know right right yeah. <laughs> what about you albert uh, for me i'm i'm pro i'm i may be the theater geekiest of all the burglars um i um I just, I, I can't even remember not the time before I was like super into it. I, um, you know, I, I went to a school where they were doing a couple of shows a year from the time I was in like second grade. I did them mm. all. Wow. Um, and I was at a, it was a magnet school. And so like, by the time we got to like fifth grade, they, they did like a full production of comedy of errors in fifth grade i played dromeo of syracuse in that and then they did a full production of midsummer night's dream and you know at that point when you're like 10 or 11 years old it's like it's no it's shakespeare it's no different you right. know it's it's yeah. just like the teacher just gives you a bunch of things and tells you how to say it and mm -hmm. then you do that yeah. and so um so you know like and i basically did i did two shows a year at least from that time until I, you know, until I was probably in my thirties, maybe. Oh, that sounds uh, amazing. So I was just doing it all the time and I always loved it. And I spent my summer, like when I was a teenager, I spent my summers doing teenage drama workshop and like, um, and you know, by then I was like, I was like 12 or 13 years old and I was already like, I thought I was like a vet in my mind, you know, sure, like, sure, sure. Went, yeah, <laughs> like, um, and so I let, you know, and like, and sort of reckless in a way that would eventually, uh, 
I would also be when I tried to join the burglar. You know, like there's a rat. Mm -hmm. Like when I was when I first auditioned, I think it was my first audition for Teenage Drama Workshop. I pretended to forget Hamlet. I went in for my <laughs> audition and I spoke. I said to be or and I I legit like choked up and tears started rolling down my face and then paused for like 45 seconds and said, I know this, I know this, I know this. And like the room went silent. Everybody was all weird, you know? Right, right, and, right. And I, I restarted like a few times and then said, fuck, forget it. I'm and I left the room. And, you know, and that was my, and then like people were like, who is this crazy person who would do this? <laughs> um, and yeah, so I've just, I've loved it. I still, I still am like a total loser theater geek <laughs> right. hardly hardly super cool theater geek Aww. super cool <laughs> did did we cover the early work of the burglars thoroughly or did y'all have anything else you'd like to talk about y'all kind of talked about how you started and when you all came in but well i i mentioned that flea circus was really different than any of our other shows mm -hmm. um so uh Matt's mom came to see Flea Circus as as moms do mm -hmm. and uh she said um I just the whole thing was silent I mean there were sound cues but we never said anything through the whole thing right and okay. she said oh, I just wish that you could sit next to me and whisper to me what everything meant <laughs> so, you know, Matt being a snotty son said oh yeah mom what if you could just wear an earbud and I could explain the whole thing to you and then we looked at each other and we were like okay that's our next show <laughs> <laughs> which became Risa. Risa yeah, was the very I, next huh and then I think from there we were kind of like playing around with you know theater that's out of place right mm -hmm. um, is, would you say that you, like the unifying is there a unifying theme a unifying theory that the, the burglar the burglars put put in practice i i from the outside i used to think like you know for me it's kind of interesting because i saw you know i crewed the original production of Raysa just by accident and so i was kind of outside of the burglars and and so from the outside and i used to say this all the time it felt like it was like it, they were everything was a it was a you know satire but what was being satirized was in some form or another vanity like mm -hmm. vanity the in Raysa the vanity was the vanity of a director who wanted to make an entirely unambiguous experience right mm -hmm. right and and it kind of went on and on I think as the years went by like we sort of dipped in and out of that but that's probably all I think that's, I don't know what you think, Carol, but I think that's something that's been at the root of most everything we've done. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, you know, Easy Targets is very much about the vanity of somebody making you sit through their horrible show. <laughs> the vanity of the actors. And that you get to fight back. Right. Yes. And that was, <laughs> yeah. And that was another show that I, that before I joined the company, but the, for anybody who doesn't know the show, essentially, like there are these one person shows uh, that are like 10 to 15 minutes long and you do like four in an evening and they're kind of written with the express aim of humiliating the person you're writing for. <laughs> and then uh, when the audience pays their admission, they get a bag of like 10 rolled up pairs of socks. And then as you do that, whenever they want, they can chuck them at you and sort of scatter your props or, 
you know, or, or, you know, hit you in the eye with a sock and, and they sort of get to fight back at bad theater. Well, and I will say I've now seen, I've seen a couple different versions of that show. I was very lucky to step in and do a couple, uh, when one of the actresses couldn't show up. But after the first time doing it for myself and throwing socks and playing along and having a great time with that, I started having a lot of fun sitting in the audience and watching the audience react to <laughs> the actor and then pointing out like, because I, I felt like, especially as I've seen the show go on through the years, the, the blocking has, y'all make um, baskets for people to throw the socks in, whether it's someone's arms in a ring or their hat turned upside down. And it's become a social experiment for me to sit in the audience and watch the audience react to the bad theater on stage. I've it's seen fun. it. I've seen it many times. And I, uh, as an audience member, I always want to try and be the first sock thrower. And I tagged, <laughs> I remember CJ's like, I tagged, I tagged you in the face so hard that other <laughs> friends in the theater threw socks at me because yeah. I started it. Uh, I got Hugo Armstrong one night, like, like dead, dead in the nose, like started it off. And then it was just like, um, but it's yeah, always, but it's always fun to watch the anticipation build and people start the throwing. Yeah. They get mad though. I mean, they will pull it. <laughs> they they think that you're being too rough. They'll, they'll like... sort of self-regulate. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. That's, that's why it's good. It's socks and not like fruits and vegetables. You know, we did, we did a, well, we wanted to do tomatoes. And oh, then, sure. Um, and then we were like, how can we clean that up? You know, right. <laughs> so we have done t-shirt bombs and we stopped doing them because that was too gnarly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Listen, socks is perfect. Yeah. In the world of quarantine, why don't you do an outdoor experience and give everybody tomatoes? <laughs> and then you can just fire hose it down afterwards. That's true, right. And then they don't have to touch them again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or water balloons. That'd be hard to... <gasps> oh, oh, no, that's hard. That'd be hard <laughs> to wrangle. The truth is it gets pretty intense. Like It does. It, I, I, having seen them and then having eventually done them, it's great, as you can attest to, CJ. It's like, mm -hmm. it, you know, you spend your life as an actor in some ways trying to compartmentalize the response of the audience where you're not like you get a laugh and you don't try. You want to not like act like you heard it. But mm -hmm. now the, that laugh is coming up and hitting you in the face, mm -hmm. you know, oh, that's and a good it, way to think of it. It's it's so discombobulating and and you do. And it does hurt. You get one in the, I don't know if you ever got one in the eye, either one of you. Yeah. You get one in the eye. I got one in the eye. It'll, your eye will run through the rest of your yeah. <laughs> Right. And then the, the thought I had was like, I can't let them see that I'm sort of hurt because then they'll stop laughing, which is like right, the really right. actor part, you know? Right. I will right, you say. You got to play it coy. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, I had to pick up the script and put it together like in two weeks, which was kind of a quick turnaround. But I will say. By the time I got done with that, there was, it's one of the more rewarding live performances I've ever done. Which one Be did you do? I did the, uh, I am an actress all one about where I demonstrated all oh, the different yeah. roles I've played. Yeah, yeah. Explained <gasps> to the audience what <gasps> acting is. and All like, about <laughs> me. <laughs> all about me. That's what it was called. Yes. Was that um, was that your, like your first big hit? Like, what was the thing that that put burglars on the the map early on? 
uh, well, Raysa was was our first show that was successful. I think okay. Flea Circus kind of came and went. <laughs> Flea Circus came and went, and then yeah. you did you did some other stuff early on too. Uh, tell me a little bit about um, uh, Piece of Work and Latvia the Noir series. Oh, well, <laughs> I I love Piece of Work. We Matt and I talk about how that might be our favorite play that we did. So we. Uh, <laughs> That was a commission from ASK Theater Projects. Do you remember them? It's yeah, so yeah. They're gone. But um, so it was a commission from ASK Theater Projects for Common Ground Festival. And we had to create a piece using our headphones in the uh, sculpture garden at UCLA. And oh, so cool. we, again, about vanity, this was about the vanity of just like humans are so special and aren't humans great. So we were these kind of, you know, like Uber humans and, I don't know. We were revealed by gods who were prancing through the garden. And then we each had our little monologue. Then we went up and we ate this disgusting dinner and recited poetry. And, <laughs> and then the animal kingdom showed up. Oh, I think that the whole thing, I could be wrong, but I think the whole thing was that Zeus and Hera were going to destroy humankind. Okay. And then they met us and we were so awesome that they changed their mind. But <laughs> the best part about it to me was that the animal kingdom showed up to pay tribute to us. <laughs> how much better we were than them <laughs> that's awesome and then uh, um what was latvia the noir series because that was just a piece a piece that you did with with other people's work as well right yes that was a um it was a, a producer wanted to do an evening of um noir inspired theater and so uh, John and I were in that and we played a couple, um, I'm so gonna get Dean's last name wrong. Help me, Albert. Hang right. on, Dean. I can't remember Dean's last name either. <laughs> so anyway, Dean's a Shout great- Shout out actor. to Dean. We'll get you, we'll get you, yeah, we'll Dean, get you in the I'm comments. Sorry. We'll get you in the He's comments. He's a great actor. He's, we worked with him a couple of times, but he played this super scary guy that we met in a bar. And, um, and it was just about Latvia. And it was just about having a creepy encounter in a bar. That was what the noir thing was. Right. And I think cool. it was, I mean, like, uh, you know, um, that was actually much, that was later in the Berg. Yeah. That was like post, uh, was that post Tigers or post Brodus? 2015. Yeah, Both. so that was po post Brodus even. Mm -hmm. um, and we made Hugo Ar Armstrong play the, the waiter we weren't sure if <laughs> because i don't know if he goes talented enough to do two lines in our, <laughs> our little stupid sketch but we, um, no no i was just gonna say i think it was you know i think the point of satire on that was the fact that you know it was sort of sending up noir itself in that there's a you romanticize uh these incredibly dark things and it was two people yeah. coming from like a comic-con of noir kind of deal where they were dressing up as noir characters and super into it and then they meet someone who if you took a character you know a, a dark character from the noir world and placed them in the actual world that's the kind of frightening human being they would be right and of course mm -hmm. they're you know mm -hmm. they they immediately like blanch at that or whatever right um that's so cool though um i had seen um another show um dean gregory dean, dean gregory, gregory. Sorry. there we go dean. dean um 
I'd seen uh, Focus Today, um, <laughs> which is cool. Could you describe, uh, talk a little bit about Focus Today and what that was? Uh, Focus Today. Focus Today was a show um, sort of built around, do you remember those posters, those like motivational posters? Hang in um, there, that type of stuff. What's that? Hang no, in the there. Like yeah, or like, or you you just be like a golf course and you miss 100% of the shots you take or, you know, there are these posters that were like motivational yes. posters. <laughs> yes. And so the, the conceit of, of focus today was like, it, it was, it was, it was done as, as if everyone in the audience were member were uh, employees of a tech company some huge corporate tech company that was forcing their employees to go see these motivational speakers on a Saturday. <laughs> and, and we were these fucking loser, <laughs> like mullet having, you know, the were just a, a, absolute morons who were supposedly success experts. And we were going to come in and teach them how to be better employees of the company. And uh, and then as the show went on, we 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 had handed them all work booklets. And so as they did the show, they we would do little sketches built around these posters <laughs> and then we would quiz them and they would get certain numbers of points. And then at the end of the show, they would add up all their points and find out we would sort of name their spirit animal. They were either like a bear, a big cat or a monkey and or they got fired <laughs> oh, shit. that's awesome yeah it was i remember i remember not quite knowing what i was seeing and <laughs> just like slowly it like i would i can't remember I, I was slow that day and just going what are they and then catching it like 10 minutes in before i realized what was actually going on and it was great like that which is um, there was a there was a quote I can't remember who it was it might have been for the fringe for the when we did race at the fringe but somebody was like don't don't look at anything don't know anything going in and I think that that's what I found for most of the burglar stuff the less you know when you walk in the bigger you're gonna get hit like you don't need to research like I feel like if I go to see Ibsen I need to do a little prep work sometimes sure. or that sort of thing but with burglars the experience is is half the fun i actually did a show called um hot city at a, a theater that i won't we did it at a venue that i won't name because we were really mad at them and <laughs> they had told us you know hey your show can start at 10 or whatever but their show didn't end until 10 30 but they didn't tell us that like they somehow during all of tech week nobody could figure that out to tell us that to warn us so we were all standing around in the parking lot with all of our stuff uh, and uh. um victor who was no longer in the company then was coming to see the show and i walked up and i go can you believe this i'm like i'm livid and he goes and i said can you believe this and he goes i don't know is this part of the show? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that means you're doing something right. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Land of Tigers. <gasps> which... This was my first show with y'all. Right, you ran crew for that, right? I did. I Okay, so Land of the Tigers, I did run crew, but also I stepped in to do that. I think, I think you guys had a run crew 
drop out and Land of the Tigers was one of the main reasons that I got into Fools because back in those days you had to show your interest but then also you had to show up and do legwork for the company and so like I think I stepped in on that show like on Tech Week. That's so funny because I feel like you've always been at Sacred Fools, right? <laughs> that was what? That was like 11 or 12 years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it was 2008, 2009. Because uh, Rebecca Metz, we had her on for an earlier artist, artist spotlight. And we talked about Land of the Tigers because that's where she and I had met. And I remember getting that feeling, even just sitting backstage waiting for a scene change or to help someone with a costume, you could feel it from the audience when that show started. People going like, what is this? <laughs> what is this about? And then, you know, you think the play's over at the end of act one and then it's like, huh, what's going on now? And then it's completely different in the second act. I love that show. I still tell people about that show. It's brilliant. Uh, why don't you guys break it down and tell us, tell the audience what the what land of Ti land of the tigers is about <laughs> overall? Well, it's uh well the first act is um is a play about tigers walking around on their hind legs wearing powdered wigs and having meetings, <laughs> uh, and uh, it's 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 horrible. It's the it's the most stupid play. But but the actors were to play it. Um, as though they're doing the crucible. Right. So what we like to do is we like to set up a puzzle where it's impossible. It's like the acting Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. You know, the, lines, the whole lines of situation are impossible, but you have to try to take it seriously and commit to it. So that first act was just this whole stupid, ridiculous tiger play. And then it's over uh, and um, and a guy who's not dressed like a tiger pops up and has a sign called that says intermission. And then the second act starts and you're on the first day of rehearsal for that tiger play. Mm -hmm. And then the second act was very realistic and it was a lot about, um, you know, it was probably a lot of us expressing our anger at the sort of psychological abuse that we endured as student actors. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, the kind of culty, cult of personality thing that can happen with some bullying acting teachers and- um, The guru and, acting teachers, mm -hmm. I like to call them. Yeah, like, yeah. And, like and, and the, 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 I think what made Land of the Tigers different from our er earlier shows is that at the end of it, after you've met these people and you understand why they did this terrible tiger play, um, I think you kind of feel like, I'm glad they did their shitty tiger play right. for a really righteous reason. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that was an, that was an act of love right, that, right. that shitty tiger play. And, and we had never really had empathy for our characters before. We'd always been like, people should not do these plays. It's torture. <laughs> Why do we make our friends come and sit through these horrible things? Well, I think, I think go ahead, Albert. No, I was just going to say that's something actually how we arrived at that is something that I love that like I'm sort of proud of how like what what happened was initially when we wrote that play we wrote the first act we wrote the we just wanted to write the stupidest thing we could think of we were just entertaining ourselves coming <laughs> oh, up gosh. with like and can I interject games. Albert the yeah. first sketch we wrote for Land of the Tigers we wrote it for the LA Weekly Awards oh that's we right yeah do, we were supposed to do something funny and for some reason 
<laughs> we wrote this scene where a tiger's like laying on the branch having a philosophical moment. And we just thought, I mean, it had made no sense. And we just thought that would be so like sphincter tightening funny to do a scene for the, in the middle of an award show that was completely unrelated to the award show. And right. anyway. <laughs> right, no, absolutely. So, so, you know, we, you know, we, it was, we were just having fun writing that, that just not, just ridiculousness of tigers who suddenly could speak English and, you know, and so, and, um, it was and the so, tri-corner hats, by the way, yeah. that made it for me. I was like, <laughs> what right. in the F is this all about? So, and so, and yeah, and so we, yeah, Anne Claus Farley's costumes for that were oh, yeah. as she's they are for she's everything she genius, does. Genius, yeah. Um, so, so, but we wrote that and we wrote that first act and it was really making us laugh. And then I think we started writing the second act and at some point, I think it was Matt, who sort of said, what are we saying? Hmm. Are Like, what are we saying? Are we saying don't do bad theater because that's arrogant. Like, right. what are we saying? And so that led to like discussions about what we wanted to say. And I think in the end, what we, we began to investigate was like, why do you do bad theater? Why do you do bad theater? Because people who are invested and who, you know, who are absolutely all in, all of us, I feel, I'm sure everybody, uh, uh, you know, on this recording right now has been in an awful, awful, awful piece. Why? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and then I think the, the play's answer was love. We do it for love. They love the show. They love the show. They love acting. They love each other. And it leads to that thing that Carol was talking about, where if that's the reason, then hopefully the audience can say, yeah, I want them to do their shitty little play. I want them to do their stupid play. Like, good for them. It was terrible. I, I was resented it in the first act. But good for them, you know? Well, I, th I, I always thought, I was always struck by the brilliance of, that you created, whether intentionally or not, a rewatchable play. So I saw it on Friday. I think it's, I'm almost positive I saw it on opening night. And then I did box office the next night to do to see it again to watch that first act again after i'd seen the second act oh bless you and just knowing like, what you now know yeah yeah you know plus i just loved everybody in it and i knew most most of the folks there and 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 it was just like this is brilliant and i think that that's a theme that comes through again and again my favorite quote about burglars was in reference to Rasa from bailey our co-host who saw it at Fringe and said that afterwards he walked out and was pissed. He was angry and he was angry because he didn't think of it. Oh. And I was like, that's a fucking, that's an amazing compliment. And, um, and it's something that, that, that you guys keep doing again and again, there, everything's rewatchable um, and, and in a wonderful way and, and the rediscovery of stuff. Although I've never seen Raisa. I've only, I've only been I will in tell it. you a funny story. I was listening to your, so I was telling these guys before we got on that I'm like a giant fan of theater, theater. I listen to it. Like I take a walk every day. I listen Thank to it you. Day. Thank you. But, um, but it's not really a tech nightmare, but we were in, we did it. We took it to Edinburgh. And again, the show is you come in and you're watching this unwatchable 
this awful translation of this invented Swedish playwright. And, uh, you know, the, the director is telling you what, why everything is good. <laughs> and, um, and, and then it dawns on you as the play goes on, like you, at some point you figure out, okay, this is a joke. And, and probably usually like the first person who laughs is like mean and then like more people kind of join in and they have a good time. We did it in Edinburgh. There was a night, you remember this Carol, where there was like oh, a God, woman yeah. there. There was like two, we had, somebody had come to see the show and was like gonna give it like a feature piece or like five star rave or something. But they sent the editor of the paper before they were gonna spend that much time on it to see the show. So it was like the editor and somebody else and then like a family of three, and that was it. Cause it can be oh, really no. hard to get off. Oh, no. and, like, then, <laughs> and then like, like a minute or two in, one of the kids says to the mom, I think it was a family of three or four maybe said, mom, do we have to wear these headphones? Oh. And she was like, oh no, honey. And they took their headphones. <laughs> so then we just did this horrible play with no explanation to dead silence. It really, I don't think we got one laugh out of them. And you'd come off stage and you'd just be like, oh. <laughs> and, um, oh my God. Poor Todd, who played the director, didn't get to go backstage. And oh, never- yeah. Todd's out there the whole time. Right. The whole yeah. time. On there. Yeah, we actually and they pulled, by the way, they pulled that review. They, didn't... That. they pulled the review? Yeah, they did. They pulled the review. They didn't. They print did, that yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I would think that it would have it would have killed there, that it would have killed at Edinburgh. Yeah. It did on our final weekend. Okay. Yeah, we yeah, were if... like the Pee-wee soccer league. Like we finally got the <laughs> we finally got the um, you know, the great review. And at the end of the amazing review, it said closes today. And then you know, I mean, you know what Edinburgh's like, it's it can be quite brutal, you know. Yeah, like yeah. I've heard. We probably busked our our average was six audience members and we busked for three hours every day. So oh, we basically yeah. busk for 30 minutes for each audience member. So and then also like you might have an audience who comes in and you win them over and then two days later they go back to London and you're back, you know, there's no word, there's no local word of mouth happening for right. you. So, right, right. So, so on our final weekend, there were other shows in the venue who it, had, they had just had enough and they were like, take our time slot because we can't, we can't take any more. <laughs> <laughs> so then we did a couple extra shows. And then the kicker is that our poor producer, somebody, uh, stole the box office. Uh, oh, on the- oh, I forgot we having, about that. Uh, yeah, we were having a dance party to celebrate the end, and uh, someone snuck in and stole the box office. Classy. <laughs> Super classy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. They showed us. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, hey, let's talk a little bit about the behavior of Brodus. <gasps> let's. <laughs> uh, which CJ was in. Um, it was great, and that. it was it was a it was it was CTG Sacred Fools and Burglars of Ham that all like threw in for it, and then was performed at Sacred Fools. But can you talk about it's? It, I thought it was a departure for you guys in a lot of ways. Um, I thought it was heavier in a lot of ways, although infinitely entertaining. What was the what was the genesis of that? Where did that start? Well, it started before my time, so maybe you can handle the, oh, the well, early. 
Um, it started, uh, yeah, I mean, it started, God, probably 20 years ago or something. It so wasn't a musical at first, right? It was not. Oh. And in, we, we kept insisting it wasn't a musical. Uh, we kept telling uh, Pier Carlo Talenti at the Center, Center Theater Group that it wasn't a musical. It was a play with music. And then eventually, <laughs> and he would just roll his eyes at us. And then, you know, it, there was more and more music. So, But yeah, Matt, well, Matt was a, a double major in college. He was a psychology major and a theater major and he always remembered the little Albert story which is a true horrible abusive science story about this um uh this guy this psychologist who wanted to prove that that um you could condition a person to love or hate anything and so he conditioned a fear into a child um to an infant yeah into a yeah a little baby a little an orphan of um of fluffy white things so he would, you know, the kid would there, he'd put a little mouse in and the kid would reach for the mouse and he'd clang a metal bar and the kid would get scared and cry. And eventually the fear transferred. So the kid would start crying anytime he saw anything fluffy and white, like Santa Claus's beard was a particularly sad item that made the kid cry. Wow, and, wow, um, yeah. and so the, the odd thing is that Pavlov was doing the same kind of conditioning thing, except it was like, dogs salivating at a bell it wasn't right. like a child screaming and crying at a metal bar being banged over their head so um so anyway the and and i'm i think there are theories about what happened to little albert but um basically the the, the experiment got shut down not because anybody was worried about the ethics with the baby it got shut down because he was having an affair with his lab assistant and uh got fired and then so they just you know sent the baby back out into the world and he never got the net got the stuff conditioned out of him so anyway matt had always been and of course you know the psychology students always say what happened to him and nobody knows I, so, if i can interject for one second yeah. i i do remember matt telling me that that he sort of arched an eyebrow at the time when they first told the basic story a ripple of sort of nervous laughter went around the room about sort of the inhumanity of this guy clanging a metal bar to terrify a little baby. And it's the, you know, in retrospect, that's the kind of thing that the burglars often write about, like that, that we're sort of satirizing is that kind of, both. it has both that vanity and that inhumanity. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Carol. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is just to say, I think before Albert joined us, we were writing a lot and we were always writing about little Albert. So we were writing really like, you know, crazy artsy stuff about, you know, big, the theaters filled with full of white fur and, you know, this right. <laughs> anyway, we were all focused on little Albert and we didn't really think about the psychologist. And then we found out that the psychologist had a super compelling story and had a big impact on, on our country. On the world. He created yeah. time out, right? As I recall, yeah. the time yeah, idea. So yeah, so many things. He was, you know, he was one of the fathers of modern advertising. This guy who was interested in conditioning a fear into an eight-month-old baby was uh, someone who, when he got kicked out of academia, uh, went into, you know, sort of Madison Avenue advertising and and was one of the people who helped move advertising from those old corny days where you were like, this is what this product will do yeah. into like, this is the uh, illness you will get if you don't 
take this product or mm-hmm. these are the horrible things that will happen to you if you don't buy our product. And, uh, you know, it's like he was he was repeating that experiment on the Amer- uh, that he did on Little Albert. He was repeating that experiment on the American public and then went from that to becoming he he was, you know, the the child care expert, Dr. Spock. He was sort of the Dr. Spock before Dr. Spock. He wrote the first sort of best selling child care book with all this like insane advice about don't he, he thought that um, ch- children should be uh, passed between parents every four m- weeks or something like that. Breastfeeding should be outlawed. You should never t- touch or hug or kiss your child that it's Jesus. sexualized parenthood. And, and, um, and, you know, so all, you know, he's doing all of those things, the father behaviorism, he's, he's one of the fathers of modern advertising and he's, the first sort of mainstream, if you can call it that, child rearing expert. And in some ways he was progressive because he didn't believe in hitting your child. Yeah. Your child. Right. right. But yeah, actually- I think somebody yeah, said that Dr. Spock partly wrote his book as a response. As a sort of counter, yeah. Yeah. This play and learning more about this guy actually explained explained a lot to me about my mother and her upbringing. In fact, mm-hmm. when I saw my grandma while we were doing this musical, I I went and asked her. I was like, "Did you read this book?" When because she had seven kids, she's like, "Yeah, I think I do remember reading that book." So <laughs> wow. um, I also heard that John Brodus Watson too was the guy that invented, and I can't think of the right word for it, but it's it's the whole idea that you buy something and eventually it breaks down oh, and you have to pay obsolescence. Yes. yes. Didn't uh, he have something to do with that I too? He did. And also the, um, I think the impulse buy, like how they, they put all the candy and crap at the check stand. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Man, that was crazy. Um, and CJ was so good in that sheet. Oh like, my God. Like, that's like my, one of my favorite characters from that. So he, uh, he actually loved animals. And um, which is odd because I'm sure he tortured a lot of animals in his lab. But anyway, he had a little friend named Whitey the Chicken in our play, who was his buddy. CJ was Whitey the Chicken. Little Whitey the Chicken. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I have never been in a show so impeccable before. And like, I'll brag for you. It's the only show I've ever been in that we were sold out every night, that we got a standing ovation every night. Like, I just still have wonderful fond memories of that show for a million different reasons. And just to go back to it a little bit, Carol, you had mentioned that you, you guys were writing generally, how does that work? Are you all contributing the, 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 you, the four main members? Are you all sort of perpetually writing when you're working on a project like that? Um, yeah, more or less. I mean, like we, it's rare that we all write on the same scene at the same time. We sometimes like, so the way that Brodus ended up happening was like, as you know, far from the, you know, Matt had been sort of like it bubbled up in his brain and then the burglars had been playing around with it. And, um, and then I think in 2003, we wrote like 150 pages worth of it. So I actually was around for that for the, those weirdo little Albert things. We wrote like 150 pages of that. None of it ended up going in the play. Wow. And it just was like, it became like the play that we wrote between every play 
that we, it was like the play we tried and failed to write between every play we actually did write. Hmm. And then uh, C, like Pierre Carlo, who was the literary manager at CTG, had seen Land of the Tigers and approached us about a commission. Is there something we're working on? Is there something we want to do? Is there an idea we have? And so we pitched Brodus to him. At that point, I think we were still thinking it was Little Albert. And then we went through a bunch of like commissioning or workshops and and this and that. And sometimes when we were working on that, we would we would work like we'd have a scene that needed to be taken care of because we were doing a public reading or whatever. And we'd all write on it once. But mostly what we do is we sort of we we either sort of divide and conquer where we know like there needs to be a scene that does X, Y or Z. And mm. John, you take this one. Maddie, you write this. Or sometimes we'll we'll put two or, th or all of us will write on something that needs to happen. And then we bring them in. And I've always thought like, and this was one of the things that drew me to the burglars from the outside was that the magical power that we had as a, or that they had as a unit. And then I think we still have is that uh, everybody wants what's best. Everybody wants what's good. So if, and all of our names are on it, right so mm -hmm. if i work all fucking weekend to make um you know to write a scene and i love it and i bring it in and matt writes something better or john writes or carol like that's great like i'm happy to go with that it just makes the play better and i think you know we've generally worked in that way so sometimes you know so i think that's been really useful for us and and sometimes we'll all write one scene and just say, oh, well, I like this. Let's grab this little piece of that and we'll add it in there. And then we'll often also write on top of each other's stuff. So someone will bring in a scene and go, well, this piece, we should shift it this way or that. Uh, I don't have time to do that. Johnny, can you do that? Carol, can you do that? And so, you know, it, you have to sort of, you have to lay your ego down a little bit in that where you're like, but, you know, and, and again, I still I'm that new guy. I'm I'm 18 years in. I still, <laughs> like, but I still am like excited to to work with those. Like I have such respect for the other Bergs that I'm like just like excited that they're gonna make my piece better or whatever. I think that's the thing that struck me coming in and and working on on Rasa for Fringe a couple of years ago was I had known you guys and met you all individually and seen the work. But I'm 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 also a huge fan of being a fly on the wall. Like, uh, what would it have been like to be, you know, be in the writing room for Python or the Beatles or whatever? So I was I was so struck at I I did feel that that there was sort of this ego drop as you walked in the room, and it was a mix of of new people, brand new people, and then and then the burglars, and and it was just a pleasure to watch that that the work was the focus that the 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 play was the thing mm -hmm. um was really cool and it was a refreshing thing you know especially in as we've all worked in small theater and and personalities can get really big in small rooms yep. um so when <laughs> that wasn't happening and i could go oh right on like i just need to do my work and 
and keep pace, you know, and then, then the fun and the joy just happens along the way. It was a real pleasure. It was a real, and that's a commentary on all of you and, and how brilliant you are. Um, oh. What's next? What are you guys working on next? <laughs> When's the next show? When are the auditions? I think is my Yes, please tell question. us. <laughs> we've been pretty, we've been a little slow, um, to be honest. Um, yeah. Um, Matt and I are writing for, uh, we're the staff writers for this podcast that uh, Keith Farley is doing called Live from the Lounge. It's sort of like, a, we call it Valley Home Companion. Claus <laughs> <laughs> Farley's husband, by the way. Yeah. Oh, right on, right on. And uh, so, so Keith and Anne are doing this podcast and they asked us if we would be the staff writers. And so like John Ballinger's the music director. And cool. anyway, we've dragged Albert and John in on a couple things. So we have to, so that's been nice because we, have to come up with something every month. And we've, uh, we repurposed a piece that uh, we wrote um, for the burglars. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what we've been doing during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things it's tricky, you know, you get like, I've got a 13 year old son and you know, everybody's got Carol's running this animal shelter and Matt's, you know, Matt was doing this stuff at Disney and, and, you know, Johnny's got his casting and like your life gets big. Right. And the amount of time, like uh, many of our shows, we would do retreats or, you know, as time when we were, when it was really early days, we could just do that only. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and as we've got older, it gets a little tricky to get everybody's head in the same room at the same time. Just get schedules synced up. It's sure. just like, it's <laughs> like, yeah i mean yeah exactly and so um but i you know doing that the piece that uh the the piece that uh matt and carol wrote for uh keith and ann's podcast um so it's live from the lounge with keith farley is that it right i want to get it right mm-hmm. um it's called the unloved man and uh i will say that it was and i think we all kind of felt this way like it felt right to all be in the room together working like that. You just feel like there's just a, it, it just clicks or whatever. And uh, so it made me itch to do that again. And we played around, like we've kind of, you know, like what I was saying about Brodus where we would try and fail to write that show. We've had little pieces that come up. It's just been tough to sort of find the time to really. And then of course, I don't know if you know about this but there was a pandemic what yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird world now where you i mean this is ann and keith's thing and we're just playing with it but um they just asked us to play with them which was nice but it's weird when you just don't it's hard to sit down and write a play when you're like am i going to be able to do this anymore right. Right. right oh my we god yeah might not have this podcast if it hadn't been for quarantine we talked mm-hmm. about it but it was always kind of this thing of like when are we going to make that happen though and then as soon as everything closed down it's like why don't we <laughs> it's weird we it's weird else. how many yeah how many things like that that's it, you know what i like my theater world right now that is totally impacted by uh the theater theater podcast is um yeah i'm an acting teacher and when my um when the the pandemic happened, I couldn't teach in person all of a sudden. 
And it was just like a happy accident. I started um, uh, doing a Zoom class, you know, once a week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have never taught. I've never taught so much. And uh, I love working with those people like that. And none of that would have happened. Like the class kind of took off. There was a big boom. And none of that would have happened had I, con you know, had the pandemic not happened in the same way as theater, theater. And the reason you guys are a part of it is because like, I'm assigning scenes from Paula Vogel. And, <gasps> oh, you know, nice. like, like I read a lot. I'm, I'm, this is how much of a geek I am. <laughs> I like, uh, you know, like you do the little like secret, like here's the name, you know, like um, top pod under pod or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I'm like, I break out the Susan Laurie Parks. Right. You know, like yeah. and start reading along. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I ended up reading, I don't know, like 150 plays or something like that, or somewhere around that. Yeah, During the yeah. pandemic, a lot of them just chasing you guys. Oh, cool. Well, it's That's definitely cool. been good for my play knowledge, too, for right? sure. Yeah. The, the, it's the discovery of the new stuff. Like, I hadn't read Sarah Kane. I was aware of her, but I hadn't read her until the pandemic. And I was like, holy Jesus, God, like, this was, <laughs> like, she was on operating on another planet. And then just the rediscovery, like our faces and our reaction as we went and reread Arthur Miller, because it was kind of like, right. well, we, we've got to do Arthur Miller. And then Let's it's get like, this guy oh, out of the shit, way. Arthur Miller. Yeah. Carol also, Church. like the crazy ones, like Creation of the World and other business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, just why is someone not doing that right now? Right now. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know? And just like all of the Carol Churchill stuff, like, mm -hmm. I mean, she's another one that's just operating on a different plane of intelligence than yes. me, which I always appreciate. I just always appreciate an artist that is clearly brighter than me. And mm -hmm. her stuff is just like all over the place. And it's all so dense and so marvelous. Yeah. I mean, it's the one, it's the one nice thing. I, I've had a reinvigoration for theater um because of the podcast and because of not being able to do anything else but at the same time like now i've got this list of like like nine legitimate projects that i want to work on and yes. i don't know like where are we gonna like when when are we gonna do it and then and then of course all the ab5 stuff um well listen let's um let's go to some fun easy questions we'll call this the lightning round if yes. you will um and so these um so I'll, I'll just throw them out cj you got this list too right yep. i sent that to you yep yep so for both of you what's your favorite not burglars play wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> like what do you go back to what do you what do you find yourself going ah oh, that's the one for me Oof. Ah, I, mine is, ch is changing. So like, I, I feel like I'm going to give an answer that's super recency bias. That's all right. Um, I read a ton of uh, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. Oh, word. Uh, early on in the pandemic. And there is a play of his that's sort of a sister play to Octoroon in a way uh, called Neighbors. And uh, I think it's, it oh, would, I, I have not read it yet. I, oh, I know I'm it. writing it down. My <laughs> God, it is so, I mean, it's bracing, right? Oh, Probably, I think and I more saw so, this play. What's that? I think I saw this play. Is it a bunch of minstrels move in next door? Yes. Yes. Wow. Oh my God, I'm so jealous. Where did you see it? 
at the Matrix. It was really good. Ooh. Oh, oh, right on. I love it. And it's really difficult to produce because because of how bracing it is. It right. is intense. Like there's minstrelly in like super like I am like you can't like it is in your face and and it's aggressively shocking and and like um but what an act of bravery that play is um so all of his me, stuff all of his stuff is just like love him love him, him love him yeah and for me you know like uh, you know I, I should have mentioned this earlier like i think the one of the reasons i loved the burglars and wanted to become a part is because like there's a, you know, remember that, do you guys know who Bob Clampett is? He's one of the directors from Looney Tunes. He's like the most okay. wild and insane, mm -hmm. like where the creatures run off, or I mean, where the, the cartoon characters will run off the edge of the film or, right, you right. know, the animation is so stretched and it's madness. It's utter madness, but organized in a way that like makes you laugh and makes you kind of love it. Mm -hmm. And that play neighbors and his writing all over has that. I just love it. Uh, it's it's the aesthetic that I love, probably love the most in the world. Nice. So that's a long answer. <laughs> What's your favorite play? How about you, Carol? <laughs> well, um, you know, I used to I taught dramatic literature for a while, mm -hmm. and um, and I I do have to say I'm I you know I. I don't know because I've been in this world a long time that I really want to see Streetcar Named Desire or Death of a Salesman again, but they're so freaking brilliant. Um, yeah. And uh, but I would say I, that was a really hard question for me. I would say like Charles Bush still makes me laugh. Mm -hmm. um, Matt directed a show at. Um, wow, I'm losing the name of the theater. Moving Arts. Okay. long time yep, ago yep, yep. called the superhumans that i still laugh at some lines from that show and say it uh -huh. uh, say, say those lines but i don't even know oh tom scanlon i just texted him to say who wrote that <laughs> <laughs> but, um, i think tom scanlon is a journalist and he wrote this just very funny play i mean i'm always gonna probably tilt toward funny right when what i want to see uh-huh okay so what is your favorite not burglars musical <laughs> you go first carol well i like she loves me cool. um this is pretty you know geeky and bougie of me but i really like wicked <laughs> many times <laughs> um and um and i liked hamilton i mean i don't know this reminds me of when i auditioned for u-dub drama school and he said who's an actor that you like and i was like like I just yeah. don't even oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I have a, no uh... freaking idea. And I finally said Meryl Streep and the look of contempt on his face. <laughs> so that's how I feel when I go, Well, I liked Hamilton. Yeah, for me, I'm uh, like uh, uh, probably I'm not a super musical guy. I don't tend to love musicals that much. Um, but I started out my sort of professional career i was a sort of dancer singer weirdly by accident mm -hmm. and like my first professional gig was um i danced i was a shark in yeah. west side story nice. uh, and we did the original choreography and 
Uh, For a second, I was thinking the Katy Perry shark from the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Right? Probably probably more now, I, now I want to see Albert do that. Um, but, Are the uh, sharks Carol? Puerto Ricans or the Italians? Say what? Are the sharks the Puerto Ricans? Or the, the sharks Italians? are the Puerto Ricans. Oh, yeah. good. Okay. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, I, I still, as corny as that show is, I love, love, love it. I love it. Um, I love the music in it the choreography i just love i'd like i'm a, 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 a i ridiculously love that show so that my son is really in my son henry is really into hamilton so i've heard mm -hmm. a lot of that i definitely appreciate that mm -hmm. um those are the ones that i can think uh like i don't have any good like secret ones okay um uh, you both kind of answer favorite playwrights but so what about dream roles like a dream role from the world of theater, dramatic literature that just still speaks to you? Ooh. Um, well, again, a little bit of recency bias. Um, there is um, there is a character. So the the um, the in neighbors. There is a family lit that lives next door that is done all in blackface. And it's specifically not, he says in the stage directions, they are not intended, like I am purposely not saying what race or gender the performers are. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think, I love that show so much. There's a character named Uncle Zip in that, that I would love to play if, someone produced it that way um i would love to play iago again i played mm. it when uh, i was 17. It's, <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's time for a revisit yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i'd love to do that again it's Ian funny mccallum's for me. doing hamlet at 81. right 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 it's supposed to be great so Man. um i mean yeah i i um so many of the things that have been the most meaningful to me were things um, like I did a, a Mary Laws play called Blueberry Toast that I got to do with Jacqueline Wright. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like in a way, so many of what ended up being my dream roles were new plays by great playwrights mm -hmm. that I didn't know about until I got to do it. So I'm kind of hoping that that's my dream role is the one I don't know about. Right. Yeah, more yeah. to come. Right. Carol? Yeah, that's a good answer. I was thinking, um, I mean, I feel a little removed from this world, but I think that um, I feel really grateful for some of the roles that I've played that I was mm -hmm. really excited to play that meant a lot to me. Um, but I don't know if I have others out there or not. You know, when I was younger, I really wanted to play Billy in Born Yesterday. Right. <laughs> now I think I'd be a little long in the tooth for that. Um, I don't know. TBD. Uh, TBD, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, oh, and I, I, I thought of one more. I would love to play Valère in Labette. Oh. Uh, the, the, the beast. The beast himself. I did that show. I played the prince in that show, but uh, who comes on in the second act. But I would love, I remember we sat backstage and every now and again, like there's, Valère is that character who has like a 30, page yeah. monologue or something mm -hmm. in rhyming verse 
And I remember I'd stand backstage with the other actors who had like, you know, a few lines here and there and they would comment. It was, do you guys know Chris Neiman? No, mm -hmm. Chris, he's a, he's a actor in LA, a good friend of mine, a good actor. And he, he was playing Valer and he, uh, but they'd sit back, we'd sit backstage and listen to him go through that monologue. And, you know, these people who had like two, three lines in the show would be like, oh, you know, he went a little far there. Or, <laughs> just listen to him. I, finally, I was like, you're like the person sitting on the couch watching Sir Edmund Hillary climb Everest. <laughs> and you're like, supplemental oxygen. You know, like, <laughs> like come on. I could do better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I would love a shot at that role. I think it, it's fun. a black. I got to do it in college. And it was just what? like, yeah, <laughs> God, I'm so it, jealous. It was just like, uh, and yeah, and it's like it's terrifying. It's just yeah. the volume and the rhyme. Like you can't miss a beat. And but oh man, I had a blast. I worked. I, I did it. Um, and there was a guy who had just started grad school. This is at Penn State, and he had just done three years of touring with Barnum and Bailey as a clown. Mm -hmm. And so he brought all this clown, and he was playing oh, yeah. the, the little sidekick guy. And he was marvelous and it was one of my favorite experiences um yeah awesome um hey anything you guys want to plug you 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 plug the, the we podcast. definitely need to get the info from you for uh the other podcast make sure we have it in the notes yeah here. we'll put it in notes and so when people see it so other people can check it out but that's live from the lounge. Is that what it's called? Live from the lounge. There's there are a few live. There are a couple other live from the lounges. So it's the one with Keith Farley, where like it looks like the Japanese flag is ex exploding out the back of his head. It's like the rays of the sun. All right, right on. All right on. The Japanese flag was more cheerful. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I don't I don't have anything. Uh, I'm not doing any theater right now. If you know somebody's looking for an acting class. Uh, uh, I teach an acting class every uh, advanced acting class every Monday, albertdan.com. You can look me up and reach me through that. Awesome. awesome. I'll give you a plug for my other world, which is if you want to adopt a pet. Yes. Hey, no, you absolutely please do. Pet, Perfect timing. Pet, talk to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your Facebook posts like make me cry. <laughs> I can't, it, I literally, it, it, my apartment won't allow pets right now. So we're trying oh. to fight it. Oh. Um, and then I was just going to go and get a note from a doctor to have yeah. um, an emotional support animal. Um, but I would literally have 15 or 20 dogs in this apartment <laughs> because, of, because of you. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, in terms of um, burglars stuff, if people uh, want any information, it's uh, burglarsaham.com. Yes, sir. Ham and with two M's. With yes. two M's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All one word, burglars of ham, mm.com. But like Bo Brodus and Landed Tigers are both available. Oh, yeah. We should say that um, Land of the Tigers was recently published by Stage Rights Publishing. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Brodus, the behavior of Brodus is the full name, title of the show, was published uh, by what was then Sam French and is now Concord theatricals concord theatricals. and is yeah. on my bookshelf as we speak <laughs> well your name's in it i had to, I had to. Awesome. <laughs> um well listen thank you both so much for for coming on and thank and you talking and um yeah we're talking well next season we'll we'll do a full thing and we'll read your plays and we'll talk about your plays oh and, god and i would you, so geek out <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd love uh, to get in your other stuff that I don't that I'm unfamiliar with. So, yeah, I, yeah. I still I was trying to get Carol to send me a piece of work the other day, but she's trying to find it. Right. Yeah, I haven't yeah. read that. That was before my time, so I haven't read that one. <laughs> the lost work of Burglars of Ham. Right, <laughs> <laughs> it's his own thing. Um, well, listen to our audience. Thank you so much for joining us for this theater theater artist spotlight episode. Uh, join us. Uh, well, now we have to pause um, because uh, we're not quite sure what our next episode is. But our next episode is going to be out soon, and um, check it out. <laughs> we're going to talk about a playwright. Um, we'll keep you all updated online we'll keep, you, yeah, Stay just tuned. Keep, uh, keep an eye out um, uh, but CJ yes thanks to our you. partner in crime Jay Bailey Burcham for helping facilitate this recording and a huge thanks again to Carol and Albert from the Burglars of Ham uh, we know all, everyone out there is screaming at us you have suggestions you have comments maybe you just want to say hi you can reach out to us via email on Facebook Twitter or Instagram uh, and, uh, yeah, send us your hot takes on our next mini series or past ones we've done or any other suggestions like that. Scott, please like share, um, follow us on all the social medias. It'd be very, very appreciated. Uh, a big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song and all of our stingers. Our theme song is better than your theme song just deal with it and finally to uh the Pulitzer prize winning playwright annie baker for writing our script each and every week she doesn't know she does it but she writes our script every week and one day annie baker we're gonna buy you a beer can't wait thanks again guys really appreciate it um and um yeah let's just keep uh keep us updated on what's happening love to have thank you, you sir yeah thanks for having us thank guys yeah <laughs> Later, everybody. Bye, everybody. The theater, the theater.